Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Welcome, my friends. Another great interview today. And this one is kicking off Pelvic Pain Awareness Month, which if you know me, you know that I have a very special place in my heart for people with pelvic pain. And in fact, I actually created an entire program for both men and women with pelvic floor pain and tension. Uh, It's called Overcome Pelvic Pain, and you can check out the show notes for more information about that if you think you might need a guided program that you can do at home, ultimately in conjunction with a pelvic floor physical therapist and the treatment that you'd receive in clinic from them. So it's great to have, you know, treatment from a PT, but then to be able to go home on your own and have a resource to provide support once you're outside of the clinic. And that's how I see my Overcome Pelvic Pain program. So again, check the show notes if that sounds like it would be helpful for you. Pelvic pain is a really common condition, unfortunately, and it's not something that's that's discussed that often. And really, it's one of the things that got me into the world of really speaking openly about the pelvic floor and pelvic health on YouTube is that the videos that took off the most for me when I really started kind of outing myself that I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist and I talk about the pelvic floor is I did some videos for pelvic pain and tension, some stretching and release videos. And those went, basically they went viral. It was very clear to me that people needed help with pain and tension and learning to let go. And so that's why so many of, I I have so many (laughs) videos on YouTube, even just free videos on YouTube that are great for pelvic pain and tension as well. But again, it, it is why I also created the Overcome course for anyone who wants things bundled together. So with all that being said, I have Maeve Whelan today. She's an amazing physical therapist and I can't wait for you to meet her. Uh, She works in uh, Ireland at Milltown Physical Therapy. She's the founder. And we discuss everything from her great little technique for breathing that she calls sniff, flop, and drop. You're going to love this. We talk about uh, presentations of pelvic pain, kind of what it looks like. She answers how long does it take to heal? Uh, What kind of treatments your physical therapist will do. We even get into, you know, vaginal treatment versus rectal treatment. And these are things that you need to know. Like there are options and different ways of accessing the pelvic floor muscles. And we go into all of that. Um, We go into different types of manual techniques that you may receive in the clinic and also some really cool things that you can do at home on your own as far as manual therapy to help with your pain. So I'm really excited to share this interview with you. Without further ado, I will just encourage you to uh, check out the show notes for more information about both Maeve and also my Overcome program and sit back and enjoy. If you have pain, please, please listen. You're you're really going to get a lot out of this conversation. Okay, here we go. So excited to have my friend who I've never met in person, but I consider her a friend and colleague, Maeve Whelan. She is a physical therapist in Dublin, Ireland, the founder of a thriving physical therapy practice that really specializes in women's health and pelvic health. You you do other things in your clinic as well, right, Maeve? 
Yeah, we do. We do um, sports, orthopedics. Uh, we've neuro and we've pediatrics, so it's great. We've got a and cancer care as well. So we have a cancer lymphedema therapist. So we're really well supported by a wide range. So it's great. We're very lucky. Yeah. Yes, yes, you are. And you've really developed a beautiful practice. I've looked at your website and it just looks like a, an amazing place for your patients. So um, I have Maeve here today with me. She has 30 years of experience in physical therapy and pelvic pain is a real interest and specialty of hers, particularly the manual treatment of pelvic pain. But we are going to kick off Pelvic Pain Awareness Month, which is May. We're kicking off with a really fantastic set of questions and, and answers from Maeve about this really common issue, which is pelvic pain in men and women. But I think we're going to focus a little more on women's pelvic pain today. So I thought we'd kick off Maeve with, you'd mentioned that there is a, a wow factor that you have like a wow kind of before and after factor to pelvic floor pain. Tell me more about that. So the wow factor is, it's, it's, a, it's an important one where possible to draw somebody in on that first day. Why should they go home doing that exercise program that you prescribed for them? Why should they spend a half an hour or an hour down on the floor or doing whatever program we prescribed without understanding why they're doing it? And as we know, when people are trying to release their pelvic floor, it's so hard to feel that at the start. So my wow factor, and it goes across all the therapists here, and it's something we, we really work hard on um, getting uniformity and consistency in the, in the technique throughout. Um, it is using the breath to relax the pelvic floor. And the wow bit is if we are, and if the, if the patient is comfortable enough with us doing an internal examination, and even if it is just at the entrance to the vagina and it's not possible to palpate internally, as soon as they start doing this technique um, called the sniff, flop and drop technique, then if we just rest in that position, which is their most painful position, gently resting and tolerable, at rest they score, let's say eight out of 10. And then we say, can you tolerate? Can I just stay here? Yes, you can. Let's do this technique. And the technique then is the breath in through the nose, the soft, fluffy tummy, and at exactly the same time, letting go the pelvic floor. So at the same time, all pretty instantaneous sniff, flop, and drop. And it can take a little bit of teaching. And as the therapist, you just stand and you just stay there, keep palpating gently and within comfort levels. And then by the time you do five or sometimes even 10 minutes of teaching that technique to get it right, suddenly things change. And the pain score is reduced from eight out of 10 down to five out of 10. So you've achieved that in the one session, you're sending them home with that breathing exercise, plus all the other techniques um, to address the rest of their system. And they have already understood, I see what can happen. I see that that burning or that pain isn't just necessarily going to stay there all the time, but my breath can change it. So immediately motivated going home. And the wow factor is that they've been really struggling with this pain for such a long time. And they see that through just doing this, the before and after at a first session going out the door that they're feeling better. So that is just an amazing gift to be able and a privilege to be able to, to work with people, to be able to show them that from the word go. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge proponent of breath work as well and teaching that initially 
it, it does blow people's minds because they don't realize that connection between the breath and the, and the pelvic floor. But I was wondering, would you be able to describe that a little bit, a little bit more in depth here, or is it too challenging to do over a podcast? No, I'll, I'll, um, I'll give it a go for sure. I have developed a website, not our clinic website, um, but a separate website called pelvic physiotherapy, because I am asked this a lot by either therapists that I've worked with or taught and certainly patients and patients from different countries, as you do. Now, you're much more frequently working um, with different countries, but occasionally when I do, I'm able to um, just guide people towards the website. So it's pelvicphysiotherapy.com. Okay. So I describe it in detail on that. And what it is, um, the, the, the sniff bit is the breath in through the nose. And as we know, that breath in through the nose rather than the mouth connects better with the diaphragm. So we're trying to do the breath in through the nose and trying to really relax the tummy well enough that the diaphragm can release and can drop down. So as you breathe in, the tummy flops out and there is a connection between the same way that there's the connection between the nose and the diaphragm, there's that connection between the diaphragm and the pelvic floor. So by sniffing in, flopping the tummy and dropping, opening, releasing, softening the pelvic floor, that has a direct and an immediate effect on the pelvic floor. So, and it's the, it's the connection, it's the immediate and the instantaneous connection. And the trick being not to do it too um, hard, too fast, so much so that it goes into the chest or so much so that the tummy is hard or it's pushing out. They're all incorrect and so important just to stick with it in quite a mindful way until that softens enough that you start to feel, oh yeah, I can feel, I can feel this. But really important, that's not necessarily going to happen the first time that you lie down and do it. And it can be a few weeks with uh, really that, um, that pelvic pain that's been quite chronic and there for a long time. But when you get it and when you feel it and when it connects, it makes a huge difference. I love, I love calling it the sniff, flop, and drop. I hadn't heard that before you. And so this is really great. It's, it's what I describe to my folks too, is that inhalation and, and release of the pelvic floor, but describing it as sniff, flop, and drop is perfect. So thank you for that. I'll, I'll definitely credit you anytime I use that, but that's great. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. So I've got to know, this is another question I have for you. What is the difference, or can you tell the difference as a physio, the difference between vulvodynia, vaginismus, hypertonic pelvic floor, and pudendal neuralgia? These are all really common conditions that people are diagnosed with. Yeah. It's a good question, isn't it? You know, um, so I would say I can go a long way to helping people on that first visit, figuring out um, what kind of direction their pelvic floor is going in terms of one of those diagnoses. And the pelvic floor is like, it's like a key. And this is again, back to the privilege of working, the, uh, working with this group of patients is that it's, uh, there's a, you know, it's a lock and a key, that whole mechanism. And you, there are so many ways just to open that lock and just unfold what is going on with the rest of the body. And the pelvic floor just tells you so much. And um, which is why by comparison to our musculoskeletal colleagues, we really are in a position to, uh, to determine what's happening there. So coming back then to the, to the question, we all know about that burning at the entrance to the vagina and that really it's sometimes tolerable, sometimes intolerable um, burning to, to palpation. We, we know that that's a very unhappy pelvic floor. We don't know that it is necessarily, it's vulvodynia because it's vulval pain for sure, but the nature of it. 
is it the um, is it the bowel that's triggering it? Is it the bladder that's triggering it? Um, is it endometriosis that's triggering it? And all of these things, we know only gradually as we release it and as we do our sniff, lock and drop and, and all of your fabulous uh, wealth and breadth of information in terms of releasing the musculoskeletal system as well, but gradually unwinds. And if it's not uh, persistent as that, yeah, everything else is releasing nicely, but I've still got that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 out of 10 pain. Well, if that is the case, then we are looking that bit more at um, that little bit more complex diagnosis of um, vestibulodynia provoked or unprovoked and, and one of that. So we, we do have to wait a little to see whether the musculoskeletal system releases that. If we have purely a hypertonic pelvic floor, um, the woman can more easily tolerate that. It might be burning initially, but you start doing your sniff, flop and drop and your manual release techniques and the pelvic floor quite quickly becomes a little bit happier and you quite quickly get a change. And that is more the hypertonic pelvic floor by way of description. And that term is making it more and more into um, the literature, hypertonic pelvic floor. And thank goodness it's there um, more as a takeover term from vaginismus. Yeah. And this has been a desperately damaging diagnosis for so many women to have um, because it's been described as it's, it's a reactive one, uh, as yeah. if it's just reactive in response to the possibility of penetration of, um, penetration of anything, whether it's a, a sex toy or whether it's an um, intercourse. And the, the, certainly with that, whole, with that whole response, you know, it's so unfair, isn't it? Because of course the pelvic floor, of course somebody's going to withdraw, of course somebody's going to tighten up in response to a pain um, or touch stimulus. So vaginismus tells us nothing, but hypertonic pelvic floor does tell us something because we can do that initial test and then we can, just with breath work, we can pass by the entrance to the vagina and we can within a single session, just get in that little bit deeper and get into the, uh, the levator muscles rather than just those superficial pelvic floor muscles. We can really just start evaluating and, and getting those deeper pelvic floor muscles to release. If we get to that deeper part of the pelvic floor, it is amazing to see how that superficial part of the pelvic floor was just listening to the deeper parts of the pelvic floor and reacting to the deeper parts of the pelvic floor. So the trick is, for the therapist to, and for the patient to understand this, but for the therapist to be able to um, instruct the patient well enough to let go at that perineal body area through breath and through being comfortable, of course, with the therapist. And then the therapist being able with the patient to access those deeper muscles, again, using breath work and sometimes just involving gluteal work and perineal connective tissue work at the same time. So now you can access the deep, it remains comfortable for the patient and you come back out superficially and a lot of that burning has just eased off. And you've got a reduction from what might have been a seven or eight out of 10 down to a three or four. So fabulous response. So that's more the hypertonic pelvic floor. And then finally, the, just on those, the pudental neuralgia. So with the pudental neuralgia, sometimes that burning, you know, and frequently that burning there at the entrance isn't there at all. It's not, it's, it's really that pain along the path of the budental nerve, which is just such a different pain. And you can immediately palpate through the entrance to the vagina. And then when you go to palpate along, you know where that is, the deeper part. And many listeners know where it is, that deeper part of the pelvic floor, right at the back. 
which is around what's called the ischial spine area. And, you know, worth looking that up in one of the models. So, and then tracking forwards along the ischial spine and um, really um, marked often superficially as well, or externally in the, anywhere in the distribution of any three of those branches. So those branches in, the, in, the, in that distribution, the muscle can be either thickened on the outside or restricted or very sharp pain on the inside, but not at that superficial burning site. So it's quite easy there. And of course, by way of questioning as well, because the questioning with that particular patient group will be, it eases off at night, it's worst in the morning, um, sorry, it's fine in the morning and then gets worse and worse as the day goes on. So, which is the very typical um, good endal nerve presentation, not able to sit down. And with vulvodynia and vaginismus, you don't tend to have that restriction of not being able to, to sit down unless that tissue is very tight. Um, in terms of adhesions um, or something very strong pulling, and then it can be difficult to, to sit down. Yeah. I mean, the, I think the take-home message there is it is quite, these, these presentations are quite similar, but yet there's some significant differences between them and having a skilled physical therapist who knows what to look for is really important, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah. And it is. yeah. yeah. And I, I love what you said too. I love that you brought up the vaginismus and that terminology is going away. Thank goodness, because it does bring up more um, feelings of like frigidity, that word frigidity. Yeah. I can't stand yeah. that word. And yeah. it just makes me angry. Absolutely. And yeah. And so I love also that they're more, we're more leaning toward hypertonic pelvic floor or um, also I like non-relaxing pelvic floor. I just yeah. think that's such a great descriptor, non-relaxing yeah. pelvic floor. Yeah. It makes um, sense to anybody hearing that. Whereas yeah. hypertonic pelvic floor, you might be, well, what exactly is that? But yeah, non-relaxing simply described my pelvic floor does not relax. And yeah, yeah. you know, it's with the therapist uh, setting about finding out the reason for that. Yeah. And another thing that brought that I thought of when you were talking there was it reminded me when you were talking about the superficial pelvic floor muscles, I I've heard them described. I think it's a great way to describe it. They're more like the gatekeeper. They're more like the gatekeeper to that deeper layer in a way. Yeah. So yeah. you're seeing if, if there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of burning and, and tightness there, but if people um, can get past that to the deeper layer, it's going to really open things up. Exactly. And it's happy. That superficial pelvic floor is really happy to listen to the deeper pelvic floor. Yeah. Another area, if I can go on to it, just to say what, you know, that, that gatekeeper area can really tighten up against is um, any of the, the um, of course, the rectal symptoms and the inflammatory sort of symptoms and constipation and really mm -hmm. difficult, long-term difficulty or, or even a history vaguely of constipation in the past. Mm -hmm. That lower rectal tissue and that sphincter area will really tighten up leading to the perineal body. So back to just the superficial vaginal pelvic floor, that sphincter area really talks to the vaginal tissue as well. Yes. And you have the, the, the junction between, and, and I suppose listeners need to be sort of writing down these terms to listen to them afterwards, but it's worth doing this because I think it's worth a lot of consideration. The sphincter is linked into that perineal body area, which is you know, where we're going to find a lot of that tenderness. And from that perineal body area, we've got, and I know you've talked loads about this in your, in your videos as well, Bray, but that area goes out, that transverse perineal muscle group, they go out to the ischial tuberosities on either side. Mm -hmm. Now, that ischial tuberosity, that um, transverse perineal attachment out to the side, that can be really irritated from behind and through the sphincter. And without addressing that area from behind and through the sphincter, 
that vaginal area is not going to settle down too easily. So treating everything from the vagina and that one-sided approach can be wrong and treating it. And when I've been doing teaching pelvic floor courses, I used to started off just teaching all the vaginal techniques. And okay, that's that two day course. And then all the rectal techniques. And that's another course. And I quickly found out that just teaching therapists that both for themselves after the courses and also for their patients, just by treating that vaginal tissue and not evaluating and looking at what's happening from behind the sphincter often left people sorer because you've released some things and you've left some things behind. So now the pelvic floor is going, what on earth is happening here? And often tightens up even more in response to the confusion because you didn't get all the structures or you didn't identify all the structures that need to be released. So that's really, really important. And I'd like to go there a little bit more about this, this conversation about the rectal the rectal approach to an internal exam, because I'm with you. This is definitely when I went through my training to become a specialized in in pelvic floor physical therapy. Granted, this was 13 years ago now, but I remember 13 years ago, (laughs) 13 years. I know I'm a baby. I'm a baby. It seems seems very far away, but um, I specifically remember everybody when we learned that, you know, this was, this was the particular course where it was going to be the rectal approach and we practiced on each other. You know, this is how physical therapists learn is they practice on each other. And there was, um, you know, I think I I will have to be perfectly honest that that was a challenging course for me to take. And also when I went back to work with my patients, I definitely, definitely primarily use the vaginal approach with my female patients and really only use the rectal approach with my male patients. And so I love, I love that you're bringing this up, that, um, it's something that, that physios need to get over that hump. I mean, I needed to get over that, that, that hump of uh, really, for me, it was more being concerned that the patient was going to be so uncomfortable and was going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm never coming back. What's happening here. Yeah. So please talk a little more about this. Like why, why do we need to consider it? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, just like I kind of said the wow factor, I guess, earlier on with the breath work, another wow factor is exactly this. So you're, um, as a physiotherapist, you're examining through the vagina and you have identified that this area I'm talking about, you know, superficially out to the side of those attachments to the ischial tuberosity area and just to the pelvic side wall. And you said, you know, that's really tight. It doesn't want to release. And I'm trying to release at that area, trying to stay away from the perineal body because it's a little bit burny, but it's, it's tolerable in a strange kind of a way being out to that tissue more out to the side. But you're trying to release it with some of those um, techniques that we, that we have and it's just not changing. So then the approach I'm talking to the patient is, listen, that's just not changing. And I know I can do a little bit better than this to help you if we go and access that tissue there through the back passage. And then just quickly, is that okay? Yeah, 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 okay. We do that now, is that okay? Yeah, okay, okay. So not really in a nice way, not really enough time to think about it, you know? And then just quickly go, okay, let's do that. And then um, nearly chatting away and re-gloving and saying, okay, we're going to do that now. Ready? Here I am. Okay, there, pop in. Yeah, there we are. Okay, so now here we are on that same tissue that I was treating vaginally and here we are rectally. So all of that happens, you know, quickly enough with nice chat between the therapist and the patient. So everybody's comfortable with it. Yeah. 
And then you treat it and they say, oh my goodness, that's desperately uncomfortable. Feels like stool is there. Feels like a finger in my rectum. Don't worry, that's okay. If you feel like you're going to pass a bowel motion, that's just me. I'm a solid piece of uh, matter in your, uh, your rectum. So that's absolutely fine. So let's do this. Can you tolerate that? And can you tolerate it? And we're fine. We're kind of working through the session. Then we feel that that's eased out a little bit and say, look, do you know what? I think it's a good idea if we go back through the vagina now because I really want to show you what's happened because I'm happy that rectal area has released out. Let's go back to the vagina. So then we go back, we read love, back to the vagina, a little bit more chat on the way. And then we're back in on that same point in the vagina and the patient is going, really? Wow. Is that the point? Mm-hmm. That really feels much different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, yep, it, it does. And we can achieve more and we can achieve more breath work. And maybe we've got a different sort of range of movement between the contract and the relax now. Mm-hmm. because the whole elevator analogy works differently. We've been able to squeeze and really we're getting past the second floor now down to the first or maybe the ground floor mm-hmm. with that. And then hence, you know, the motivation to go home and to really work on that again at home and to understand and to understand why the bowel habit has to change as well. Yeah. You know, and the defecation dynamic must be done and they have to buy that squatting potty stool and, you know, all of these things that we're trying to see now, why you have to get it, Cece. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, I mean, it really is, uh, it's a matter of showing them that it works and that gives them the impetus to keep, you know, using that approach if needed and to get comfortable with it. If it's helping, they're going to say, okay, well then let's do this. If this is working. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and once it, once a therapist starts off doing it, it's, uh, it's easy. And, you know, and as the therapist and obviously patients are listening to this, but it's to do with the, the relationship between the patient and the therapist as well. Yeah. If, therapist is comfortable and kind of does as I've described there the patient is comfortable and they're just you know even grateful for that extra little bit of okay you have somewhere else to look well that's really great and actually I'm going to be able to tolerate the back passage better than I'm going to be able to tolerate that that old burning that I get through the vagina so yeah absolutely let's do it yeah now if it just feels awful you know as the therapist you you know as the patient you say that's enough no thank you don't like that and as the therapist you read it very quickly in the patient's eyes And let's talk about that then. So what, you know, what happens if the burning gets worse? If the, if the symptoms get worse during the exam, what happens then? What should a therapist do? What should a patient do? When should the patient be like, um, excuse me, white flag is surrender. Like I I can't do this anymore. Yeah. 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 Soon, soon enough, I would say within those first few breaths. So, you know, we sort of, you know, we let's, let's call it that eight out of 10 perineal burning pain. And immediately it's eight out of 10 and immediately it's, it's withdrawing. And, um, and then quick discussion between patient and therapist. Would you like me to stop? No, no, let's just see. I'm, I'm here now. I, I want to see what happens. So, okay, well, look, immediately, I, I'm not going to go any further. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going to move. I would like to show you a breathing technique that may help this. How does that sound to you? Yes, we do that. So we do a few breaths and it's tolerable and the pain's gone down from eight to seven to six. And then let's breathe a little bit more, a little bit more. So, and then the patient can feel it, the therapist can feel it. We can advance kind of, you know, millimeters more, millimeters more. How does this feel to you? It's okay that the pain's great. Is it stable? It's okay. Is it coming down? Yes, it is. If none of that is happening, and if you've done, I would say, five, six, seven, eight breaths and nothing has changed, stop. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's, that's it. You know, it should have changed within those three few breaths. And then I'd have to say, and, and listeners will know this as well, you have to have so much confidence in your therapist. Yeah. 
you know, she's there, she's perched on your vagina, which just feels awful. And you get a sense from her, okay, she's, she's done this before. She knows what should happen to this tissue. She knows that it's not happening to this tissue. And I really appreciate the fact that she's called it before I have to call it. Yeah. So the patient, the, you know, the patient, the therapist knows pretty soon what's happening. Mm-hmm. What's happening. And said, look, let's, let's call it. There's loads of stuff I can do with you now. Look, there's a whole pile of stuff. I want you to go on to Dr. Bree's Overcome program, work on that for at least a month and then come back to me at that stage. And then it's really lovely. And that's another wow factor, just while we're on it. The patient's pelvic floor has really started to change just through all the general muscular skeletal and and the pelvic floor. And this is the lock and the key stuff. The pelvic floor then has just been, you know, we've identified it as uh, as the key to unlock what else is going on. Well, look, it turns out it's your thoracic spine. It's your quadratus lumborum muscle it turns out it's all of them we, we would have been wrong to just keep treating the pelvic floor without going right the way up along the spine or you know right the way down to the feet or the neck or you know anywhere that this can be affecting it so we we listen and we know and we just look at the behavior of the pelvic floor and we know with the techniques that we do that it should be releasing yeah and if it's not we've got to just you know we don't have to know immediately but we've got to really tick all the boxes that could be feeding into it so what I'm hearing here is for patients more than for the therapist, patients, you know, tr- trust your therapist. If you have a good relationship with your therapist, which hopefully you do, um, yeah. you know, trust your therapist. She knows what she's doing, but at the same time, advocate for yourself. If after seven or eight breaths and, and just kind of going with this for a period yeah. of time, if things are still, if it's really burning, then definitely yeah. say something because your therapist yeah. should get the signal. But if for yeah. some reason they don't, yeah. don't just suffer. Don't just sit there and suffer. No, and, and every therapist, therapists have to learn. Yeah. You know, every therapist is at a beginning sometime. Yeah. So the therapist that you're going to, a, a therapist who has done the courses, understands the techniques and gets a lot of the theory, but just has a little bit of a way to go mm-hmm. to really understand what the pelvic floor does. Yeah. So, um, and what's lovely in the relationship between patients and therapists, some patients understand that and they are pleased to have the therapist in their area, somebody who will work with them and they're happy to work together mm-hmm. and, and the patient is happy to guide the therapist and, and there is a nice relationship there the absolute worst thing that can happen is that you don't have confidence in your therapist you don't think she really gets it she either says or does things that really just don't make sense to you and that's really an awful experience for somebody who has had a long way to go to get to you in the first place yeah and I mean a long way in terms of months years sometimes isn't it? You know? oh yeah yeah so many times by the time patients finally are able to see a therapist or get a referral to a physical therapist, it's been, it's been ages since this condition has been going on. Yeah. 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 And they've they've been around and, you know, to the gynae, the urology, the colorectal, the GP, and, you know, and and of course we know there are so many amazing um, counselors and psychosexual therapists um, doing work with these women, um, but it is better in parallel with physio or physical therapy. It's just better in parallel. There's just, you know, it's, it's never a one or the other. Yeah. It's really important. And, and, and I do think it is a little bit of heartbreak when somebody's worked a year or two um, on vaginismus and behavioral stuff around well, the term we don't like vaginismus. Yeah. And figuring out why did I just spend all of that time dealing with my the connection between my brain and my body and why wasn't I actually looking at the, you know, the mechanics of my pelvic floor and no wonder. Yeah. And, and that sometimes even um, women in middle age as well and in menopause and, you know, you, they've, they've got some other problems and you're 
suggest to them a vaginal examination. And then they go, oh, I'm terrible at this. I've always been terrible at this. And, you know, a me and a blame, I'm, I'm, I'm never good at tolerating this. And I would immediately say to somebody then, there's a reason you're not good at tolerating. Your pelvic floor has, on many occasions, not felt right with that. So, you know, that's why it's not you. Um, you know, you didn't decide to react like this to your pelvic floor. Your pelvic floor over time, whether it was just trying to use tampons or experiencing smears, your pelvic floor learned that. So that's not you. So, you know, similarly, you know, and for those reasons, we just, we just, you know, multidisciplinary team with all of this for sure. The team approach is so key. It's so key. Mm. And um, I want to actually ask you also, this thought came through as we were talking, how long does it typically take from your perspective for patients when I know they're all wondering how long am I going to have to be using this approach or physio? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's hard because unless you have, you know, and kind of drawn the patient in something, I don't quite like that term, but unless you have convinced the patient, got the wow factor, shown them mm-hmm. what you can do early, early enough on, well, it's very hard for them to keep working with you. So, yeah. so patients might have come, you know, to two, three, four sessions and they don't, I'm not really feeling it here and I'm traveling a distance to get to you or it's costing me money to see you and I'm not really seeing this really valuable for the therapist to say from the outset that this has been holding on for the longest time and whether it's a primary or a secondary pain and the primary they've had it forever the secondary it's the onset is in reaction to something else inflammatory perhaps that has happened or a or a trauma and you're telling them that really it takes a long time for tissue to change and it's not going to happen in just a couple of sessions and that's really important for the therapist to tell the patient Otherwise, they're just disappointed that it hasn't. And, and that leads to more disappointment and more oh, physiotherapy isn't going to work now. What is going to work? I'm doomed. I'm, I'm going to catastrophize for sure because I'm going to be stuck with this forever. So working with realistic expectations, and that depends, of course, on what the pelvic, do- pelvic floor does. Very often in just that first session, the physiotherapist can tell, this is really tight. This is actually going to take a long time. I think we're going to be a year working on this before you see the type of response that you want. And then they're kind of going, okay. Very often patients will say, yeah, that I kind of I wouldn't have thought otherwise. And somebody else might say a year, you know, you know, what are you kidding? And say, well, you know, there'll be, there'll be little improvements all the way. I'm not talking about a year before you see any improvement. And um, there certainly will be improvements on the way and you'll understand what you're doing over the course of that year. But we're talking a year to pain-free sexual activity or intercourse. And we're talking, uh, yeah. you know, just any of the things that were the provoking factors. It's very easy for it to take the body a long time to change. But against that, it's really good because it doesn't come back. You've changed your body. Yeah. And because you've changed your body, it doesn't come back. So that's really good. And for people to understand that, uh, I think is really important too. I think so too. And people are going to learn, they learn so much about their body along the way through pelvic floor physical therapy. So much. This is just an untouched and an untalked about and an undiscovered part of your body outside of sexual things for, for many people, you know, outside of the the bedroom, they don't explore their own anatomy. They don't explore their own body. And so you learn so much about your, yourself when you go through pelvic floor physical therapy. So, yeah. yeah, which generally is, which generally is, 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 is lovely, you know, mm-hmm. and it's very empowering. And despite the discomfort um, of physiotherapy and what they go through, they're so grateful for it. It's yeah. absolutely, it's just so relieving. And it's just, um, and as I said, a, an absolute privilege for a physiotherapist to work with mm-hmm. women as they go through this journey um, I think, of unwinding it all. 
Yeah, I think so too. And so I'd love for us to quickly go through um, the exam on the first visit, kind of maybe what people would expect and maybe some of the types of manual techniques that you use with your clients. Yeah, yeah. So if, if we go through that first sort of patient group that we said that has the burning that, you know, and we do, we do attempt where at all possible. And I would be probably a little bit more of an advocate of this than, than, than often you see in either research papers or read about the, the, the patient has shown up with you because they really want to try and see and, and evaluate and feel what's going on. So where possible at all, unless somebody is um, clearly very traumatized and we talk about, you know, what do you think we do a pelvic floor examination? And immediately, absolutely not. That's so not going to happen today. Perfect. Let's start with all of the musculoskeletal stuff and not go near your pelvic floor. When you're ready, we can go there. But let's talk about that session by session and absolutely not today. But let's assume that we are starting with the breathing technique and it's always the breathing technique and nobody goes home without having the breathing technique. Mm -hmm. And so we work through that and then if possible, do the contract relax. And if all of that, you know, elevator all the way up, all the way down, very often that is enough to allow us in a little bit deeper so we can start doing some of those stretch release techniques pincer, you know, just that, that whole pincer, which is holding the tissue between the thumb and the finger and just trying to mobilize that, where we're listening to the pelvic floor and where with the breath, it wants to let go. And we don't have any other barriers that are telling us, no, this is not what the tissue wants to do. Mm -hmm. So we might be at the superficial tissue, but normally I actually want to work on that deep tissue first before I work on that superficial tissue. So if I can, I climb across the perineal body where nobody likes that area being touched. And then we go on to the deep, the deep tissue. We work through the deep tissue, a little bit more breath work, try and get a bit of lengthening on that levator anior, puborectalis, sling muscle, and see if through the work we're doing, we can get that just to release our lengthen a little bit. We stop where the barrier is there and we stop where, do you know what? It feels like a better idea if we do glutes and QL and spine at the moment, because there's a little bit of restriction there. And I, I, I can sort of feel or nearly hear the body that it doesn't want to do any more without the, the spine or the pelvis being released out as well. So if we can't get as far as doing that deeper and um, superficial and, and deep pelvic floor manual therapy, apart from the general musculoskeletal stuff, we can do perineal connective tissue techniques, which are just wonderful. And that's like the skin, skin rolling techniques where you're working through the branches of the pudendal nerve. So that inferior rectal nerve at the back and the perineal nerve and the, uh, the clitoral nerve and any of that tissue over that, the, the pelvic perineal, over that perineal area that's restricted, it can really be useful to the pelvic floor and the reaction of the pelvic floor muscles and the perineal body area to release that tissue externally through that skin rolling technique. And one of the uh, things that's quite nice with that is the gua sha or gua sha, there'll be people listening to this where I get that pronunciation wrong, um, stone where they can really do some of that release work themselves at home. And that's very nice because if we're doing a lot of that deep work um, of that uh, tissue, superficial tissue work, then it can be that on a following session, they can tolerate some internal palpation just that little bit more. Okay. I so, want to, I want to stop you here and ask about the gua sha tool because I actually, yeah. when I was in clinical practice, I used the gua sha tool more for, um, you know, releasing the shoulders and for anyone yeah. listening, it's a, um, how would you describe it? It's like a, it's a jade, a flat jade stone. Yeah. And that, you know, what's that about four, four or five centimeters by four or five centimeters. Yeah. And it's in jade and it's a smooth flat stone. And, uh, 
it is uh, used actually for the facial muscles a yes. lot. Mm-hmm. So then very often, no, oh, I use that on my face, or I know that I've seen that for face. But actually, yeah, well, where I want you to use it now is down on your uh, your your pelvic floor. So tell me how that would work, because again, I actually don't know about this for the for using it on the perineum. This is actually this yeah. is new to me. I mean, I definitely know yeah. about manual therapy for that part of the body, yeah. but not using that tool. Please yeah. tell me more. Yeah, I mean, I want to be on screen here where I can. I know, show. I know. <laughs> um, so if you um, if you are gripping, let's say, and let's say you decide to that you can be lying on your bed with your head really well supported up high, so you're reaching down between your legs, and you have the edge part of the stone, um, and you have the rest are gripped in your hand, and you are just going from the back. So let's say in between your legs, you reach back as far as where the buttock is. And then you come and it's quite close to where that back passage, that sphincter back passage muscle is. And you're just really maintaining contact with the edge of that stone all the way forwards to the back part of the labia and forwards just to the inner part of the thigh. And you just stroke that about 15 times. And it shouldn't really be much more than 15 times. And the reason is that it's very powerful in terms of what it does and what it does to that tissue um, that's superficial and down into that next layer of connective tissue. So you do about 15 strokes each side. And let's say you're doing that, you're, you're, you're doing that rolling from the back towards the front. You can also do it in a standing position from the labia back towards the coccyx area. Mm-hmm. And again, just 15 strokes in that area. So really lift that tissue. So that when the, when the therapist goes to do that connective tissue manipulation on you again, then that. Um, that really feels that that much more comfortable when you're when you go in the next time. And again, within those short sessions you have with the therapist, you're really using her expertise that she can do as much hands-on stuff because of all of the homework that you've done you've done at home. Well, that's fantastic because I wanted to ask you specifically, you know, what people can do on their own at home to help with their physical therapy. Yeah. So that yeah. so again, moving if if someone were to, uh, you know, they'd have to probably study up. Do you have any information on your website about using the tool? Yeah, just not, no, not specifically about using it. In fact, I should put some up about yeah. that, but no, I don't. Yeah. And certainly the gua sha, because they're, you know, it's all about the face. They don't really have it. I give handouts to, uh, to my patients and stuff on it, but it's a good point. I should put something up, um, something up there at a, at some stage, just that people can actually see what to do. But I like that because it's a little bit less intimidating, maybe perhaps for people because they're yeah. not having to do internal work. They're just moving the tool yeah. from the posterior to the, to the front. Yeah. 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 The perineum. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but not so fast. I do want to tell you about some of the internal stuff that you do. Yes, please, please. <laughs> so that's one of the, so the external is lovely, but very often and where possible, I do give them that internal work as well. And the internal work is just to really those superficial pelvic floor muscles and in a little bit deeper than the superficial. You know, if somebody has, it's a bit like using the dilators and the vibrators. If something is painful along that perineal body burning area, I don't want you to do it at home. How negative is that? You're trying to come in and we're trying to get some some relief and some answers to this perineal body um, pain. And I don't want you to be recreating that when you're at home. So we need to dance around that and just make sure that we cajole it and um, bring it in slowly um, to to release. So, but if we can get past that area and if it's not too uncomfortable, then I really love the release technique where you're going to hook in with say, let's say you're still sitting on the toilet so we can get that position in our head. And you go in with say the right thumb onto just inside the back wall. So rest inside the back part of the vaginal wall and just go over to the side towards the hip. 
So your thumb has hooked into the vagina and you're stretching that muscle out to the side towards that left hip. And just because of the position, you can't get it too wrong is the good news. Because of the angle that your arm comes in and your hand comes into that, reaching out down towards your left hip with that right arm, that's the position, that's the movement, that's the action. So you just go down in the direction of what your arm wants to do at that stage with the thumb down into that vaginal tissue and you're stretching out that um, these, these superficial pelvic floor muscles plus those deep levator muscles where they attach on to the pubic uh, bone, to the pubic side of the bone, of that pelvic bone. And just stretch, breathe, contract, relax, breathe, stretch, breathe again, contract, relax, stretch, and just see whether you can just get that tissue to release a little bit yourself. Your therapist will have done it with you already. You understand the feel of what it is. And then you try and achieve a little bit more yourself at home. And each of these should be done daily um, to really change the behavior of the muscle. And, and of course, you need to be comfortable with and And that's a nice one to do. Um, and it's a nice one to do maybe before you do a dilator, because what's the point in using a dilator and it feels awful? Um, what you really want to do with the dilator, you want to be patting yourself on the back with the dilator. So you want to do maybe a session of your overcome program, a session of your stretching the pelvic floor muscles and then you want to use the dilator and go my goodness look at that isn't that amazing how good am I having done my homework and now I'm you know I'm, I'm upsizing the dilator mm -hmm. that's so all, all the time it's it's what we do in here as well it's testing retesting assess what does it feel like now do some stuff yeah. and, and assess that same spot again yeah. so you go back you press on this one point and you do some things and you press on that same point again and wow, look at that, that's changed. I understand why I'm doing this now. And I'm not just going to keep going, pushing through a dilator when there's pain with my fingers crossed that that's going to stretch a little bit. Yeah, that's not. I love this concept of almost like small wins. Like you don't want to just dive in with a dilator that might be too big and it might be kind of scary and it's a foreign object that you might not feel comfortable with anyway. But I love the yeah. idea of using your, you know, small little thumb, your own finger, your own body. You trust yourself more than a, a tool that's outside of you uh, in many yeah. cases. And so it's a great first step to create a small win so that you can then move on to other things. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love empowering women to do it at home. I, and also the everyday, the everyday aspect I think is important too. Every day. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to change. But we're not talking about, you know, hours. We're talking about a few minutes. Oh, look, that, that, that you know, 15 strokes either side of the perineum, yeah. that's, that's short. Um, the sitting on the loo thing, um, doing the release yourself, 30 seconds each yeah. side. Yeah. You know, fine. There may be a session where you're thinking, oh, actually, I'm feeling good about this. I'm going to do a little bit longer. But I would say, no, just keep them short and sweet, but regular. Okay. This is so great. We, I don't want to keep you or our audience too long. So I know that... Did, did we cover everything? I think there were some things we were going to cover. Is there anything that you'd like to just pop in before we sign off? No, I'm really happy with how much we covered there. And of course, that's a tribute to the, um, to the interviewer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Asking all of the right questions. I think you've got, you've got the absolute maximum on me in terms of all the good stuff that I want to share. So I'm really happy that I shared a lot there. And I just want to encourage women. It's like I said through it. Um, please stick with it. And if it's not working, yeah, we need to problem solve a little bit more. We need to, we need to do it. It shouldn't go on and on. Trust your therapist. Look forward to your therapy. Don't dread it. 
um, work with the multidisciplinary team and uh, you know it should be it should be improving all the time and, and, and please don't left please don't be left alone thinking I tried physio and it doesn't work you know it it, it, it helps an awful lot and maybe just not doing the right thing for the stage of where you're at and you just need a little bit more guidance with it so stick with it that's a it's a great message and I think that it's like this fine balance between understanding that it's not going to be cured in one session so understanding that it could take some time but also understanding that you do need to see some progress and you know we do want to if we're not seeing that progress then definitely have a discussion and be empowered to speak up to your physio and just let her know i, I will say like i guess that's one last thing i want to mention is that i have had some people reach out to me and just say you know um i don't i don't agree with what my physical therapist is doing like it's not helping i feel like i'm getting worse and i just want to empower people to tell your physio she yeah. wants to know because yeah. you know, she she will know she will. We're, 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 we kind of get into this field because we're pretty, you know, we, we kind of understand people. We're pretty compassionate, pretty em- empathetic. Um, but yeah. sometimes everybody's human. So everybody makes mistakes. And if your physio doesn't know, then she can't treat you yeah. right. So please talk to her. Talk to her. And it's like it's, if somebody's coming in for, you know, neck or shoulder or back treatment, they know pretty quickly if they like their physio and if this is somebody they can work with. So it's not just you. It's not just your pelvic floor. It's your relationship with your physio too. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know that this is going to work with her yeah. and, and, and follow your instinct there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I want everyone to please look you up. I'm going to put um, all of the information, both websites. So MilltownPhysiotherapy.com and also PelvicPhysiotherapy.com. I'll put those in the notes below this video. Thank you again so much for your time. Uh, Look, Brie, thanks a million for asking me. I really enjoyed that. It's an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if this podcast was helpful for you today, please share it with a friend. Tell them you know, what you learned and how it's going to be helpful and amazing for them to talk about this stuff. Don't forget to subscribe and also check the show notes for all the links you need, including how to follow me on Instagram and YouTube. And until next time, remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit. We'll see you next time.